Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let's pray. Lord, we've just read your word. We've just heard your voice. I pray that we would listen. Holy Spirit, we need your presence here with us. You promise to work most effectively as your word is considered and preached. And Lord, I pray that you would work in our midst today. I pray that we would be able to push out the pressures and anxieties of our past weeks, future week. I pray that you would help us to be able to focus here. I pray that you would address us through the preaching of your word, despite my many limitations. Lord, I pray that you would get our attention this morning. I pray that you would awaken us to the reality that you speak. May we listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I ran across a story that, with the very headline, got my attention. It said this, Missing woman joins search party looking for herself. Missing woman joins search party looking for herself. This is from the Toronto Sun, which is ironic. They call it the Sun when there's probably not a lot of sun in Toronto, but that's not the point here. Missing woman joins search party looking for herself. It reads in part, a group of tourists spent hours Saturday night looking for a missing woman near Iceland's Elja Canyon, only to find her amongst the search party. That would be awkward. Oh, wait, we're looking for you? I'd at least pretend, hey, I found me. But anyway, the group was traveling through Iceland on a tour bus and stopped near the volcanic canyon in, in the southern highlands Saturday afternoon, reports the Icelandic news organization. One of the women on the bus left to change her clothes and freshen up. When she came back, her bus mates didn't recognize her. Soon, there was word of a missing passenger. The woman didn't recognize the description of herself and joined the search. 
<laughs> About 50 people searched the terrain by vehicles and on foot. The Coast Guard was even readying a helicopter to help. But the search was called off at 3 a.m. <laughs> when it became clear that the missing woman was, in fact, accounted for and searching for herself. Crazy things happen when you don't recognize your own description. The woman didn't recognize the description of herself. <laughs> Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17 present a description of what Christians ought to look like. Do you recognize yourself in that description? In that portrait? As we see a call to compassion and kindness, meekness, humility, bearing with others, forgiveness and love, do you recognize yourself? Or would you begin a search party to find someone who looks like that? Are you like... The woman who doesn't recognize that kind of description and begins to look for other people. We need not commission a search party. We need instead to recognize here what Scripture says. That we're called to be compassionate and kind, meek and humble, patient, bearing with others, forgiving and loving. We need, not rec we need to recognize also that there is only one person who matches this description perfectly without flaw, and his name is Jesus. Amen. He is compassionate. He is kind. He's meek, humble, and patient. He bears with us. He forgives us. He loves us. You see, our call this morning is to resemble Jesus. That's our call. We are called as believers in Jesus, all those here who are Christian, you are called to resemble your Lord. Let me ask a question. Do you bear a resemblance to Jesus? Not perfectly, not all that you should be, but authentically, genuinely. One of the reasons we're still here is so that over a lifetime we can become to look and bear, bear resemblance to Jesus more and more in our lives. Because our lives are now hidden in Him. Remember Colossians chapter 3 verse 3 says, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Our lives are now associated with Him. Therefore, we must bear a resemblance to Him. We must not merely respect Jesus or admire Jesus or marvel at Jesus or esteem Jesus or honor Jesus or revere Jesus or know about Jesus. We each must resemble Jesus. And as we resemble Jesus, our church will resemble Jesus more and more. We must be a people who resemble Jesus. And before we recognize, I have two points this morning, before we see how to resemble Jesus, first we need to see why we can resemble Jesus. Scripture always gives us a reason. You never have in Scripture a bare command without a reason. There's always a reason. We're called to resemble Jesus. Look at verse 12. Put on then, 
Now, the temptation is to skip this one, two, three, four, five, six, these six words. Put on then, skip those words, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Our attention is naturally drawn to the list of what we need to do, how we need to resemble Jesus, how we can, how we can look like him. We, we generally skip those things and go, well, I need to be compassionate, kind, humble, meek, patient, and but we cannot afford to read the scripture like this. We cannot afford to skip these six words in verse 12. Look again. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Before we recognize what we must do, we need to know who we are. That's the way the scriptures always communicate. Before we're told to do something, we're, to- we're reminded who we are. Who are we, Christians? We are chosen. Before you chose Jesus, Jesus chose you. He chose you not because of anything in you, not because he knew you would, ch- he w- you would choose him. He chose you because he chose you. We now extend faith to him, not as a manner of repayment, but of devotion. He chose. He calls us holy. Holy means set apart. God has declared us to be holy. We're not holy because we're better than anyone else. We're holy because he has set us apart to be for himself. The Father has declared us holy because we are now hidden in Christ. You might come from a tradition that says saints are special kinds of people who that's not the common experience for most. That's not true. Here, this word Holy, that's where they get the word saint. We believers in Jesus are all saints, the holy ones of God. God has declared us separate by his word. We're also beloved, or the idea here is we're loved by God. We are holy and we are loved. We really need to understand this. This is something that we Christians really need to grasp hold of. You have been declared holy, and you have been declared loved. See, we're apt to think that we will be more loved by God if we become more and more compassionate, kind, humble, meek, and patient. False. Let that sink in for just a moment. Do we need to resemble Jesus? Yes. Does our resemblance of Jesus mean he loves us more? No. This is the gospel right here. This is the economy of grace. If this sounds, if this sounds strange, the reason is grace always sounds strange. You see, it's so easy, even as Christians, even as mature Christians, to assume that our obedience purchases holiness and love. It does not. Why? Notice, he reminds us who we are before he tells us what to do. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. This is who you are. You are God's chosen ones. You are set apart. You are beloved. Before we're told what to do, we're told who we are. We must have our identity straight so then we can know how to live. The reason we can resemble Jesus is because we've been chosen and we've been declared holy and we are loved. 
We do not have to earn love or obey ourselves into holiness. No, we have a God who is kind and gracious. And He said, you, I choose you, and I declare you holy. And I love you. You see, when we are declared to be something by God, it's then and only then can we begin to resemble Jesus the way we're called. This is grace. And the scriptures are awash with the surprising message of grace. Should we obey? Yes. Do we obey to get love? No. Now, this might sound like a mighty, strange teaching, maybe something you haven't heard before. Maybe you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus and you think, how can this be true? I've been in church. I've never heard this. Or maybe you think, this is not what I've been told. You might even think, if these Christians count themselves as chosen and holy and loved by God, they're going to consider themselves better than anyone else. And I can understand why you would think that. And maybe you've collided with people in your life who call themselves Christians, but they're pompous and self-important, and they look down their nose at you. I'm sorry, that's not the way it should be. Any, see, we Christians, we know that we were chosen not because of us, but because he loved. We know that we were declared holy, not because we were inherently better than anyone else, but because He has declared us such. We know that we are loved, not because we're worth it, but because our God is a God of love. And so any follower who looks down on anyone else for any reason at any time shows that they don't resemble Jesus very well. And if you're here and you are not a Christian, and you've experienced people who call themselves Christians, Like that. Please, please accept my apologies. This idea of choosing goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Paul's not just picking this out of thin air. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7, verse 6 says, Speaking of Israel, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Notice the echo of language from Deuteronomy 7. This is way back. In the Old Testament, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you. The choice that God has made in choosing us is not because we're special. But it's because he loves us. You might think, well, what if I'm not chosen? What if, I mean, this sounds great and everything, but what if I'm not chosen? It doesn't work that way. Anyone who wants to come to Jesus and say, please forgive me of my many sins and make me new, Jesus will always welcome. He turns no one away. He turns no one away. You come to Jesus, you put your faith in Him, you trust Jesus, 
And you're marked out as holy, chosen, holy, and loved as well. Christians, consider who we are. We are chosen. We are holy. We are beloved by God. This comes not based on negotiation or obedience or our just desserts, our rights. We are chosen and holy and beloved because God has declared us as such. This is no empty declaration. We need to be reminded. We need to be reminded because we can forget. We think, oh, no one cares. I'm a mess. Does he really love me? Yes, we see the pages of Scripture speaking to us. God himself is addressing you, Christian. He's saying this. You are God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. You need to believe Scripture more than you believe your accusing heart. And as you recognize this, you're going to want to increasingly resemble Jesus. You're going to want to resemble Him. You're going to want to say, you know what? He has done so much for me. I want to look like Him. I want my life to be like His. See, the only reason we can resemble Jesus is because Jesus resembled us. Jesus, the Almighty Creator, the beginning and the end, the one that was not created, the one that created all things, took upon flesh. He became a man. He became a vulnerable baby. God the Son became like us in every way. He suffered disappointment and sorrow. He got sick. He had heartache. He had hardships. He had friends turn their backs on him. He had distress and destitution. He was tempted just like us. He resembled us in every way except one. He did not sin. And he died so that I might be able to come to him and say, save me. So that you might be able to come to him and say, save me. And he says, freely, he does this. And he declares us now chosen and holy and beloved. This says much more about Him than it does about us. But we can celebrate the reality that this is now who we are. We are holy and beloved and chosen because God has made us such. And what? Guess what? We now resemble Jesus more than we ever could. We resemble Him now because death has no hold over us. And we have eternal life, even now. And one day, we will see Him, and we will be like Him in every regard. We are holy. We are beloved. We are chosen. That's why we can resemble Jesus. Here's how. How do we resemble Jesus? We resemble Jesus in verse 12. Look again. Put on. Put on. Put on, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, what do we put on? Kindness, or I'm sorry, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. See, we're not called to resemble Jesus in appearance, or in clothing, or in wisdom, or in power, or in knowledge, or in strength, but in how we treat other people. We're called to put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience in all of our actions toward other people, 
toward everyone. But especially, as Paul makes clear in this context in verse 12, especially the people in your church. So if you're a part of this church, the people here, what are you called to do? You're called primarily to express compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience to them. If you're a part of another church, you're called to express that to those people there. We're called to resemble Jesus with compassion. This is having a disposition of sympathy for other people. Jesus cares about us. He's sympathetic to us. He knows our frame. He knows that we are weak. And he's sympathetic. Are you sympathetic of other people? Are you compassionate toward other people? Or are you the kind of person that thinks, well, they're probably getting what they deserve? I'm glad I'm not getting what I deserve. Jesus, he was compassionate. He is compassionate. We're called to resemble Jesus by being compassionate. Jesus is kind. He is kind. He's thoughtful. You know, the, you know people who are kind? They're thoughtful. They see what you might need, what, you might, what might be helpful, and they give it. Maybe it's a word. Maybe it's a helping hand. Maybe it's a gift. Maybe it's a smile. Maybe it's a handshake. Jesus looked to serve others to make people feel valued. He did that. He does that. Do you do that? Do you, as a Christian, Bear the resemblance of Jesus in the way that you interact with other people. Humility. Now, if there was anyone who could think highly of himself, it was Jesus. God the Son, the creator of all things. He spoke and worlds sprang into existence. He spoke and all the innumerable stars in the sky began to burn. Here was Jesus, humble, taking on the form of a servant. Do we resemble Jesus in his humility? Or are we too good for other people? Do we think we can't learn from someone, no matter who they are? Do we resemble Jesus in humility? He was meek. Meek is a word we don't use often, but it's the opposite of angry. Gentle is probably the best one-word definition of meekness. Jesus was gentle. Jesus did not lash out. Jesus did not give people what they deserved, but gentle. He was meek toward them. Do we bear a resemblance to Jesus by being meek toward others? He was patient. Patient. He was tolerant of other people's mistakes without getting annoyed and saying, get away from me, I'm done with you guys. I'm grateful that Jesus is patient with me. My many flaws and failures and sin, he never says, listen, this is an unhealthy relationship, I need to put up a boundary here. No, he's patient. Are you patient? You bear resemblance to Jesus in the way that you express patience toward other people. patient. Not only that, not only that, but look at what's next in verse 13. I'm going to be able to read these words and they're going to go by easily and fast. 
but they are very important for us to grab. What are we called to do? We're called to resemble Jesus with the things we've seen now. Verse 13, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you, now get this word, also, what's the word there? Must forgive. You must forgive. We do not have a choice. We're not invited to pray about forgiving anyone. You might even say that we put on compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience by bearing with others and forgiving them. There might not be a more difficult thing for us as Christians to do and forgive. Forgiveness, anybody who says forgiveness is easy or simple does not, has either not really been hurt by anyone else or naive. Forgiveness is hard. And yet, here in the pages of Scripture, tucked in verse 13 of Colossians chapter 3, We're directed unambiguously to forgive. Let's say someone makes a comment toward you or avoids you or doesn't do what you think they ought to do and you're hurt. You're not called to pretend like it doesn't hurt. Called to bear with that person. And the way you bear with the person is by thinking compassionately toward them. Maybe they had a hard week. I don't know what they've gone through. Being kind and humble and meek and patient. You bear with them. Jesus bears with us. We bear with other people. And we forgive them. We bear with them and forgive. Now I want you to notice the reason we're called to bear with people and to forgive them. Remember, Scripture never gives us a command without telling us why. Here's why. Why must we forgive other people? Because the Lord has forgiven you. That's what it says. Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Notice it doesn't just say, forgive because that's the right thing to do, or forgive because I said... Or forgive because you don't want God to punish you. But you forgive. I forgive. We all forgive because the Lord has forgiven us. As the Lord has forgiven, we forgive. We must forgive. How does He forgive us? He forgives us freely. Not under compulsion, but willingly. Not begrudgingly or complaining. Not dragging. You know, not, not be, okay, I hate this, but you're forgiven. But freely, we must forgive freely. He forgives completely. My every sin, our every sin, for those of us that are Christians, has been forgiven because of Jesus Christ. He did not die for most of my sins, or a great majority of my sins, or 99.99% of my sins, but all of my sins. And we forgive, we must be a people who forgive completely. 
as we have been forgiven completely, and we must be a people that forgive permanently. Jesus doesn't come to us and say, listen, don't you remember all the things? I've, remember that time? Remember that time? Remember that time? And make us feel horrible. He forgives us completely. He forgives us freely. He give, forgives us permanently. Now, forgiveness, don't, don't think forgiveness is easy. Forgiveness is a kind of death. It feels like death. It's painful. It's difficult. It was painful for Christ. He died to be able to offer us forgiveness. You see, the reality is that, think about, I mean, I know you don't have to think about it because it's already in your mind right now. There's probably an experience you had where you struggle with forgiving somebody for what they did or didn't do or said to you. And it's alive in your mind. It's alive, and it dances sometime in there. I'm not saying it's easy to say, oh, forgive. It's not. It's not. That's not to deny that you were hurt. Forgiving does not always mean, or most of the time, it doesn't mean forgetting. It it means remembering not to be bitter. Forgiveness also doesn't imply that immediate restoration in the friendship is necessary. But forgiveness does mean that as we grow in resembling Jesus, we must forgive others because we have been forgiven. Maybe you are here and you've been wronged in ways I can't imagine. Maybe there are ways you've been wronged that nobody knows about. And you live with the pain and consequences of that sin every day of your life. And it can sound, this call to forgiveness, can sound callous and simplistic. And you might say, it's not that easy. Oh, it's not. It's not. It's not easy at all. Forgiveness isn't free. Forgiveness came at the point of death of Christ. See, for us, what we must do is focus not on how much we have been hurt, not to deny that, but on how much we have been forgiven. Every sin I've committed, every sin you've committed is against Jesus personally. It just doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel that way. We've never spit in his face. We've never called him names. We've never pushed him aside. But in all that we've ever done, he is always the most offended party. And yet, he was punished. for What I did and what you did, and he was innocent. He was innocent. And yet, he forgave us. Maybe you're thinking, what about people who've wronged me and aren't even asking forgiveness? It's like they're getting away with it. What about them? I can tell you this. They're not getting away with anything. Leave them to God. He will do what is right. And justice will be seen by all. He 
He will do what's right. Entrust them to Him. They're not going to get away with anything. For us, we must forgive. And verse 14 gives us a summary of all we've been talking about and how we resemble Jesus. Above all, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. A Christian is not one who merely loves people in loves people back, but a Christian is someone who just loves. Just loves. Loving other people is very difficult. You will be taken advantage of. You will be sinned against. It's very difficult. It's very hard. But this passage calls us to put feet on our love, to throw love into action, both outside the church, but especially in the church. You see, here's what we're shooting at. We're shooting it to resemble Jesus. Remember that section in Acts when Peter and John are before the ruling council of the Jews and they're threatening, threatening them not to speak in the name of Jesus or they're going to be punished and they're going to be flogged and they're going to suffer all kinds of horrendous punishment, and Peter and John answer boldly. And Luke, the writer of Acts, says that everyone in the council saw them and knew Peter and John had been with Jesus. Boom. They had been with Jesus. You know what our our opportunity, our responsibility is? To resemble Jesus. So that other people in our life, people in this church, might say, I've never seen Jesus, but I know what he looks like. He looks like you. Because you're compassionate and kind and humble and meek. You bear with others. You're patient. You're loving. I don't know what Jesus looks like, But I know he resembles you. I mean, and that's what our call as a church to be is that. A people who resemble Jesus. To have people in the community say, I've never seen Jesus, but I see you, and that's enough. To have people in our lives say, I've never seen Jesus, but I know what he looks like. He looks like you. And the way you interact with other people, our call is to resemble Him. And we can because we are chosen and holy and loved. May our church, may all of us individually and together as a people be a place that people can say, I've never seen Him, but I know what He looks like because I've seen you. May that be for all of us. Let's pray. Dear God Almighty, I pray that you would help us all. Please, Lord, I pray that if there are any here who are not Christians, I pray that they would turn to you. I pray that they would start asking questions of their Christian friends and of other people about what it means to follow Jesus. 
I pray for our church. I pray for all of us, Lord. I pray that we would be a people who freely forgive, that express love and kindness and forbearance and patience, that bear with others and freely forgive on a regular basis, Lord. Thank you for the forgiveness we enjoy. Lord, I pray that we would extend that to other people. May we look like you more and more. May we look like you more and more. Lord, I pray if there is anyone here who is harboring any bitterness or resentment toward anyone, Lord, I pray that you would help them just to forgive. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen.